Welcome to the Vault Preneur Podcast channel. My very special guest today is Elena Norman. Elena is the best, number one best-selling author of the book Energy to Lead. Ali's philosophy is grounded in her background in strategy consulting combined with years of personal development, love for travel, and passion for human evolution. She has a unique approach to personal and organizational change, which is built around the essence of humanness, Make it, making it elegant, simple, and exclusive. Welcome, Ellie, to the show. Hi, John. Wonderful to be here. Great. So this is a long journey for you, and, um, and I think it's quite interesting because it's like a, a post-author um, party, if you like. <laughs> so <laughs> Totally is. Yeah, so I want to sort of start off and get people a bit of an idea of, of your background and, and how you got to where you got to be. So tell me, because um, I know you come from Russia originally, so and there's a bit of a story around that. So I got to tell you got two minutes to tell me, <laughs> um, you know, how you where you came from and what you, where you are today. Then I want to really want to talk about it. Yeah, sounds wonderful. Um, I do think that I'm quite a weird fruit. Um, and a little bit of a dinosaur because I was born not only in Russia, I was born in Soviet Union. And if you can only begin to imagine the childhood in the country with the regime where life was only seen through one lens or rather be allowed to be seen through one lens only, um, must have been pretty weird. <laughs> and it truly was. Now, I have to say that I grew up as a very happy child. I was surrounded by love and in all honesty, I think this is something that ultimately helped me to pull through. But in 91, when the union collapsed and life started changing pretty rapidly, a lot of opportunity came about. And because I had good language skills, I was able to get a good degree from a good university. And it was an English track degree, which did, did change my life quite a lot. Um, it was around the time when a lot of multinational corporations started pouring into Russia, and I guess I kind of ticked all the right boxes to get good jobs. And very quickly, I started realizing that as much as I was proud of, of my achievements and generally feeling that I'm doing the right thing, it still felt that I was not from that particular paradigm. I felt, felt like... Something was not really matching with what I know is possible for me. And it was a very long journey, still within the paradigm of, you know, the new rebirthing Russia. But when I turned 30, I woke up and I thought to myself, it's time to start living my life the way I want to live it, the, want, the way I choose to live it. Because up until that point, I was doing the right thing based on what the experts were telling me, what the authority in my world was telling me, not necessarily government, but family and, you know, people that I respected. And that was the breakthrough. So that was, in a sense, a start of the true journey that I have been on for now more than 10 years. And I moved to Singapore because I wanted something completely different, but still English-speaking <laughs> and first world. <laughs> so all the boxes were ticked. Um, but I really wanted to be in a space that would be completely new. I didn't want to know anyone. I didn't want to have any particular connection to an industry or, you know, type of activity. And I've explored different things. It was really important for me to understand myself and understand what it is about me that I'm here to create, what it, what it is that is my message that I need to share with the world. What is the meaning of life for me? So that every day I can feel that I'm actually contributing. I'm truly contributing from the very authentic self. So in a nutshell, that's been my journey. Interesting. Yeah. Particularly um, Singapore is a nice place. It just gets really hot. <laughs> I remember coming out of the Singapore airport and felt like the oven had just been turned on. Whilst I went past the guys with the machine guns. Sure. <laughs> like yeah, anything to declare? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right, we'll start running now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of the other things, and you'd probably think it's funny, but when I woke up that morning and I was asking myself, truly asking myself for the first time, what does good life look like to me? What does it mean? And believe me, 
looking out of the window and seeing palm trees was one of the compulsory items on that list. Because in the, in the world of a Russian girl who grew up with beautifully snowy pine forest, which is gorgeous, but seriously, like minus temperatures I had no time for anymore. Mm, <laughs> Having palm trees outside of the window, that's how I know my life is. That's, that's my life, right? Like, so what, that's the life I'm meant to live. Coming from a cold country and going to that sort of thing must feel like you're going to melt. <laughs> yep. I was thawing. That's what I kept telling people. I spent, yeah. I spent five years here, uh, oh, in yeah. Singapore because I needed to thaw. <laughs> all right. So show us your book and tell us a little bit about what the concept of leadership <clears throat> and energy is all about. So energy to lead has come about after many tries. I think probably countless tries. And I've explored different ways of talking about it until finally, now I'm feeling that I've kind of hit the spot with what it is I'm trying to say. I wanted to bring into attention that there is something invisible or less talked about but equally important when it comes to talented leaders, talented business professionals, talented managers, and that a lot of times we focus a lot on things that we can measure because that's just the way professionally we, we, we train to do things and you know try to measure something and really put a number and some sort of a coefficient to it to say whether something is good or bad. And what I always knew is that true leaders, the beautiful, gorgeous leaders who are very, very successful, a lot of what they do and how they do it is beyond something that can be truly measured or even talked about. It, it's sometimes really hard to just put a finger on and say, well, this is, this is why they're great or this is why they're very successful at what they do. And it took me quite a lot of time to break out of the education that I've had because I've had a management degree. And so again, I was taught through all the frameworks and the ways and the lenses of how to look at what good leadership should look like. It really took me some time to break out of those paradigms into listening to what was inside of me, the knowledge, the truth that I had inside of me of how would I approach it? Like, what do I actually see? Not what the books tell me or not even what other people tell me, but what do I see as the important quality? And I knew it. It was always in my heart. It's just that I've, I finally found the ability to talk about it. I found a way of using the language to explain what it is that I want to talk about. And what I do know is that every leader, every great leader, is someone who's worked out the energy game. Mm -hmm. So it's the person who knows how to read the room. It's the person who knows how to play with it and beautifully and gently shift it and change it. And that's something that goes beyond the things that they say or do, but that's something that really creates the actual impact. It's the energy that they bring into the room. So knowing and seeing the world through that lens and also knowing yourself and seeing yourself through the lens of what is, what is my energetic presence and how do, how do I bring it forward? And can I manage it? Can I play with it? Can I change it? Can I shift it for me so that I can then help change and shift other people? And that's something that, absolutely excited me and over time I found case studies I guess or examples from my life and how I do things and how I see things and I finally found a way of putting it into words and actually describing that experience so basically this is what this is about this this is essentially a way into Ali's world this is how I function. This is how I see the world. And it's been absolutely liberating for me to finally let other people see it. Um, it would probably be easier for me to strip and go out and just walk down the street naked than 
putting this together and actually letting people read it because it's well, therapy, right? It actually comes down to like therapy. <laughs> some people, some books. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It, it is a huge step, but it, it was a huge step in really, really letting myself be seen. Mm. Very difficult, but mm. feels amazing. Now that, now that it's already out there, now it feels great, but taking that leap. Absolutely. What if they think that I'm an idiot? What, what if they think that, you know, I'm just talking nonsense, but the beautiful thing that's happened as a result of this, because now it's out there and I can't really control it, but the beautiful thing that has already happened just in the last few weeks is that people now find me and they connect with me and they say those beautiful things like, I can relate to every single word in that book. Mm. Isn't that incredible? It's like now finally that I was brave enough to really say what I wanted to say exactly the way I wanted to say it. All of a sudden that ease came into my life. It, it, people, people actually embraced me and what I had to say because apparently they felt the same way. It's yeah. just, um, that, that's kind of what happened with it really is, yeah. This book has become my, um, I don't want to say hook because it's not a hook. It's, 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 it's a conversation it's, starter, really. Uh, to me, it's, books are a conversation starter. It is a conversation starter, but it's, it's kind of like it's this attraction. I'm trying to kind of think of a very nice metaphor, but it's like I've opened up this flower and now this beautiful scent is coming out and then people can now see me. So it's like, oh, actually, this is what she's all about. Mm. And again, for me, being able to finally, through endless iterations and changes, but finally get to the authentic, true way of saying what I wanted to say, that's the magic that was required to easily now attract people who are, to use the energy language, vibrating on the same mm. wavelength. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, actually, because uh, statistically around 82% of people would like to write a book but only about 3% ever do. And so um, it's kind of like, it's almost like public speaking, you know, once you put yourself out there, there's no one going back from that. The reality is, is that um, more people should write books even and this whole idea of what other people are going to think about them. Well, that's not your business anyway. Um, you know what I mean? Like once you get beyond that and beyond, beyond the fact that it's not about you, it's about your message, um, that's the probably the biggest turning point for most people is to figure out that it's not really... They're not really writing about them because if they write about them, it's not going to resonate with people as such. They need to understand what's what's similar to them and you. And and that's and I mean your book your book book's really nice because it's it's also got lots of little pictures in it and it's got you know all sorts of like um, a flow to it. It's quite different. Um, and I think people it makes it an enjoyable kind of book to read. It's not something that's it's not like I, I remember when I was doing. Um, uh, union stuff for for management, and I used to get a management book, and I it was the best way to get to sleep. I could oh I, yes read the, read the first chapter <laughs> if I could get past the first page, right? <laughs> I was laughing, and otherwise I'd go to sleep. So boring because it's it's too you know, and leadership isn't about a process as such. You know, I mean, like it's more about the feelings and the and what you pick up on than anything else. And a book can't teach you that. You have to actually go out there and and almost fail as a leader to find this out. <laughs> You've touched on a very important subject matter, which is uh, leadership is not something that can be taught. Mm. So I started coaching uh, by chance. I moved to Australia six years ago, and I caught up with a beautiful woman um, who has a good role in a consultancy world. And as we were talking, she said to me, you have to start charging me because you're doing such a good job. I'm like, what am I doing? And she said, well, you're coaching me and you're doing a good job. <laughs> Maybe you should start doing that. <laughs> so I guess I, I, there is the saying, and my apologies because I'll probably get it wrong, but the, the, key, the key message of it is that please don't be a poet if you can avoid being one. <laughs> I feel the same way about coaching. It's like, please don't be a coach unless you really, really, really know in your heart this is who you are. Yeah. So I started working with people and of course, again, our logical mind, the proper education tells me 
you have to put some structure to it. You have to have a framework. You have to have a program. You have to have, you know, the content, which usually puts people to sleep. But, <laughs> you know, because that's the way things are done. This is the proper way, right? So very quickly, I worked out that my best value comes out of willing to serve the person in front of me and willing to serve that person right now. Because I don't know whether she's up to chapter seven. I don't know. Maybe she's already in chapter 127. Why do I have to tell her the things that are as per plan or, you know, as per framework? It is about being with what is right now and helping people through whatever they're facing right now. Because as you said, it's, it's a very personal journey. You have to come out and really experience yourself before you can actually learn. There's, there's no book you can read that will teach you leadership. There's, there's no such thing. So that the book is actually an invitation I'm sharing some of my stories and some of my thinking and discoveries and aha moments. But the key thing about this book is to invite people to find their own way. This is my way, but what is your way? What's going to work for you? What do you know deep in your heart, deep in your soul that you're here to create and how are you going to create it? Because the only Effective energetic leadership, in my mind, is the authentic leadership. Mm. So you cannot say, oh, this guy is so great on stage. Maybe I should take some of this trick, uh, sorry, take some of his tricks or take some of the ways or, you know, things that he's doing and try to apply them. I don't think leadership is the area that can really work like that. Mm. It's a journey of discovering your own style. And it's a discovery of your own method, really. It's a discovery of your own, you know, way of impacting others in a positive way. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Like I think, um, again, you know, leadership, as you say, you can't really teach it. And some people are natural and some people aren't. And I don't know whether someone who's not a natural leader can really, they can get better at it, but you know what I mean? Like, but the thing is that it's, it's a learning curve and I think you can learn to be a better leader but you really have to implement certain things to get there. So what do you think um, the future leaders are like? I mean, I mean, you, a good example to me is like Trump, right? He, he's a leader he's by default, right? And, and he's very, um, he wears his heart on his sleeve, you know, if you notice it. So at the end of the day, he's basically um, doing what he, he, he says and wants at the time, right? So it's not like he's trying to protect himself and, and trying to make himself... I guess not authentic. I mean, like him or hate him, right? So, what do you think? Do you think that's the future? Because it's, it's pretty scary in those respects. Because it's, it's, but it's raw, right? It's, it's not. You don't get anything lost with that sort of guy. Um, whereas you see some really polished leaders, who um, you think, okay, well, they they know what they're talking about and they can engage people, but are they authentic? That is interesting. That is interesting, John, because I agree with Trump being authentic. I think he is. Mm. He, he you is know. what you get, right? You get what you see. He is what you get, absolutely. Like it or but not. Of, <laughs> exactly. But I think the key thing here is, and that's the paradigm that I've chosen to, to be a part of, is to say leadership of the future is not that much about leading others or following others. Leadership of the future is about leading yourself, first and foremost, and then inspiring others to lead themselves. So, so follow example, essentially. Well, yeah, but, but again, finding your own. So the interesting thing about leaders and followers, you know, the, the usual the traditional paradigm, means that if I follow my leader, and then leader does something that I don't like, I can blame the leader. Mm. I can say, well, you know, obviously I'm in the swamp because you, you took me here. You and know? I think that's happened in Nazi Germany when everybody was told, well, if you don't do something, you die. <laughs> right? So you choose not to, you know, to do whatever they tell you to do. And in the end of the day, says, well, they told me to do it. And I had no choice. Exactly. Exactly. So 
the leading following paradigm is quite disempowering because, yeah, in the end of the day, it feels like you can always blame somewhere else, for someone else for, for the mistakes in your life or for something that's not working out for you, in, for you in your life. And one of the beautiful things that this book has already started creating is the unicorns, Mm-hmm. The embodiments of the leadership that I'm talking about in my book, so the people who are the masters of energy, mm-hmm. incredibly self-aware and incredibly warm and the people lovers, you know, who are not trying to necessarily lead people somewhere, right, or tell them how to do it, but they're the people who hold other people. Mm-hmm. So there is the psychological term of holding space. And what this means is, as everybody's being human beings on their journey, making mistakes, falling down, doing different things, running in different directions, trying out different things, there's someone in your life who's always there to come and comfort you and to say, it's okay, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to always know what to do. You don't have to always do the right thing. Who knows what the right thing is? And also the people who would say to you, I'm still learning myself. So the people who come to me for the interviews, for example, they are these kind of people. I always hear it from them. I'm still learning. This is where I'm at, but I'm still learning. Mm. And they're not the people who tell others what to do, but they have this strong energetic field to them it's almost like an electromagnetic, you can actually feel it, you know, this field of support, just general support and empowering others to essentially think for themselves. Mm. You know, I can say, well, this is, this is what's worked for me, but I don't know what's going to work for you, but I'm happy to be here with you through your journey. Mm. I mean, you look at the, the fires in Australia, the, um, the first thing that, people wanted to do was blame the prime minister like it's oh, quite bizarre like it was, it was like they wanted to blame somebody for it so they blame the prime minister so by default they blame climate change and they, that's a whole big conversation i don't want to get into but the reality is is what is very interesting the mob mentality was to start blaming people and then and facebook is the probably the most destructive one i've ever seen in that scenario that people just Everybody's got an opinion, and if you've got an opinion that doesn't follow what everybody else wants, then the, you know they'll they'll hit out at you. And so I think the danger here is that you know people want to blame everybody for the fires. Oh yeah, someone's responsible for this, um, and they blame the prime minister who's got actually the least amount of control over it. So it's almost like they blamed a leader that he's the leader. So as far as they were concerned, that was where he was at. And so it's kind of I think the future people to start looking and going well i've got to uh, look at a scenario where you know these these authentic people like the likes of trump um come from nowhere because people want something different they don't want a polished person that doesn't appear authentic you know they they want something different and and you see this happening all the time where people are kind of jumping out of the box and go oh, well we'll follow that person because i think that they sound more passionate they sound more believable um, whether they're right or wrong, but they, they have mastered the concept of that energy and be able to harness that um, scenario where people will follow you by default whether you don't even have to ask them to. Because it is an electromagnetic force, <laughs> quite yeah, literally. Yeah. You know, well, we, it we, is. We're it's... surrounded by it. So the, I think people forget it. Energy is, like, to me, I always say to people, money is an exchange of energy, right? Money doesn't really exist. And it's only pure, pure confidence that you actually take a $20 note and say, okay, that's worth $20, right? It's just a pure <laughs> energy thing. It's just, con- you know, people forget that. I think sometimes they look at it and go, well, that's really worth money. Well, it's only because you believe it's worth money. If, if everybody in, in the world suddenly decided that paper money wasn't real, then the entire economies would all collapse. <laughs> yeah. And, and it happens in Zimbabwe where, you know, like a, a cleaner gets paid a billion Zimbabwean dollars a month because they've basically lost faith in their own money. Um, right. You know, it's kind of, kind of, and I think that's the biggest thing that most leaders probably, that you see a bad leader, I guess, or if you want to say that, is that they haven't really mastered that feel. They don't feel they're, what's going on around them. They're oblivious to it. And those sort of leaders are really 
you know, alphas which basically only just worry about themselves. And I think that that world is going, um, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah. It's an interesting concept of, of the yang and even through my own evolution and back in the days when I was worried about framework, I've designed a balanced leadership framework mm -hmm. where I talked about the yin and the yang approach mm -hmm. because for me, the personal development paradigm for me is quite simple. We're all human beings and the DNA potential is exactly the same in everyone. Mm. It's completely up to you how much of that you're willing to explore. Mm. And focus on. And Exactly. Because I'm not suggesting that Yang leadership necessarily is wrong. All I'm saying is that if you, when you're in front of people or when you're needing to, you know, be in front of your team to present something or share a vision with them, if you know that for you leadership means defaulting into just this one type of paradigm, you say, you know, good leader is, you know, no, strong, um, speaks well-spoken, uh, you know, has strong magnetic field, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. even the energy bit can be discussed mm -hmm. in, the, in that particular paradigm. But the problem is that if that's the only way you can embody leadership, that, it, that can potentially be your floor going forward because for me the good leader is the flexible leader the one who can embody many different sort of you know aspects of what leadership can look like because sometimes you need for the person next to you to really tell you what to do mm. you know but mm. sometimes the best thing you can do is leave the room <laughs> and let people sort it just like the center i've seen i've seen that you know the best leadership leaving the bloody room and not even engaging mm. or, or you sit there and you observe, mm. you know, but the thing is, that's what I'm talking about. Being more versatile about knowing yourself and being able to present yourself, show up in a different way, which will be more beneficial to your goal, you know, to, to the task in hand. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's times to be a strong leader and, and basically just tell people that they've got to do something. And, and I think you look at like Winston Churchill is a great example of that, right? He was a very um, he was a very strong player when it came to the war. But as soon as the war was over, he wasn't a suitable leader to lead the country after the war, right? Because in that situation, he was able to just basically command it to happen. Post-war, that was a whole different war game. You needed a totally different leader to be able to do it. So sometimes that leadership style just can't be changed. And mm -hmm. and I think that apparently, I think he was, might have been a leader before, I can't remember, but the reality was he was a poor leader before the war and he was a poor leader after the war, but during the war he was the perfect person for the job. That's it. Um, so sometimes I think, sometimes in your organisation too, like in some cases like empowering leadership and saying to someone, hey, you're now responsible for this, this is yours. Um, which I did this morning, actually. I, we have a, um, an issue and I said, look, I said to um, one of my staff, I said, look, you now own this issue. This is yours. I want you to be the person. I want you to be the ambassador for this issue and I want you to keep on it. Rather than just saying, hey, I'm going to give you this job, I'm now giving you ownership of that. That's on you. And I think that's when people take responsibility and, and get excited about it because suddenly it's something that they actually can own rather than just say, oh, there's a task you're going to do. Because reality is just a task, right? But it's a very important task. It has a lot of repercussions if it's not done right. Um, so sometimes, yeah, I think you've got to you've got to be prepared to stand back, as you say, and let someone else take the charge. Because and not be egotistical about that and thinking that you're that you have all the answers. Because you don't. And, no. and the thing is, you have all the. Well, you hope you'd have some of the answers for yourself. Some of the answers some of the time as far as I'm concerned in leadership because, you know, like I think the biggest problem in leadership is that people think that you're the one who's with all the answers, right? And, and, and that's scary sometimes. Though. They expect you to know the answer. It's like, well, what if I don't know the answer? Like, you know, and then there's a no. fine line between, oh, well, you're a, you're a bad leader because you have no idea what you're doing <laughs> to a point where you're get, getting it back to them and, and um, actually figuring out what's going on. So um, actually we did an interview with a previous author that talks about communication and one of the things that her podcast invitation talks about is the conversation sandwich. Uh -huh. And it's very interesting, so you guys have to listen to that podcast in more detail, but essentially it's, 
it's three stages to a conversation that isn't very nice and how you do that. So it's almost like you talk about, you kind of praise them up a little bit and then you tell them what the problem is and then empower them to follow the solution. So you, you kind of like, but people don't think about it that way. They can just go at them right, and start yelling and screaming at them and tell them they've done the wrong thing before they even give them any framework. And I think that's that's probably the worst leader I've ever seen is the leaders who actually attack the staff and and don't hear them out first or, you know, handle it better. And and, I, and when I was at Stooling Accounting Software over the years, I was involved with a lot of businesses. And some of those people in those businesses were so scary that I wouldn't even do business with them <laughs> because they, the way they treated their staff, like they were so dictatorial and so um, nasty towards them to see why people would leave. Um, and the ones that survived were the ones that were probably nasty as them. <laughs> you know? yeah. we, can, we can touch on fear a little bit because I think that's one of the fundamental concepts in personal development if you think about it. Mm. We, we, we can even just take that one lens, fear, and ask ourselves, how much fear do I have in my life? Just in general, whether I'm feared like somebody else is afraid of me or I'm afraid of someone else, mm. it, it really doesn't matter. Because if you take it down to the, or up or whichever way, into the energy paradigm, you go, well, it doesn't matter which way fear comes into your life, the energy is fear. Your life is driven by fear. You do things out of fear. Yeah. People do things for you out of fear. It's driving your life. Now, this is one of the, I think, centerpiece discussions that you, you'd have, regardless of the, the paradigm that you're talking about in personal development, is how do you break through, break out of, dissolve, dismantle, de destroy fear out of your life just as concept, as, as an energetic imprint? Mm. And what would your life be like if you didn't have to function from fear? What would your life be like? What would your life be like if you wouldn't accept anybody else around you function from fear? What What would it be like if you embody a completely different way of living, where nothing is done out of fear? Mm. And mm. that's an, an extraordinarily empowering thing when you. And as I said before about my book, it, the reality is, I was fearful to step up, even though, you know, 20 years of personal development, you can't avoid it sometimes. Mm. And there's always, life always brings you situations where you really have to step up yet again, saying, well, actually, I'm comfortable with this, but not that. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to do this, but not never that, you know. And so people who are amazing, beautiful leaders, they're usually the ones who have resolved that relationship with fear. Fearless, basically. So they don't, yeah, and I, I think the danger is like, I've, you know, in, in, with particularly books is a big one, right? People expect books to be perfect, but it requires an imperfect process, right? <laughs> and, and in the end of the day, it's never perfect. And, and I've got a, a client um, that I'm probably going to have an interview soon, and, and she struggled with pushing the button on that book because she can't push the button on the formatting. And one of the things is it's, it's kind of fear of oh, it's not perfect. And she even came back to me and said to me, I said, I'm going to charge you more money, right, to try and jolt her out of it, <laughs> right? And, and sometimes there's any way you can do it. And then she went to chat with her husband and her mentors. And she said, you're right, I'm trying to be perfect and I'm fearful that it's going to be wrong, someone's going to find something wrong. And I said, um, reality is, is that if they do, they're not your best customer anyway. Um, at the end of the day, and if they're going to pick bones out of it, well, then that's perfectly okay for them to push them away because then the fear of failure or the fear of, of you know, exposing yourself like that is, is not is people don't even think that way. <laughs> I funny is funny story I always I read something the other day was that as you get older, what you realize is that no one cares what you say, right? <laughs> so, what's happening is you're saying something, and they're looking to you thinking about what they're going to say. Right, and so you're not present. You're not actually listening to them. You're actually thinking about what you're going to think about next. Because the downside of when you're a podcast host is you've actually got to think that way because <laughs> you've got to be ahead of the game, right? Because if, if it's only size, what question you're going to ask next? But you've got to be in the moment. And I think that's the dangerous part is that people actually think that what they do and say, people are paying attention to it, and actually they're not. 
and they're paying attention to themselves. They're worried about themselves because the number one priority for human beings is not die. All right? <laughs> not don't die. So if you try to make sure that you don't do that, and the reality is what you're constantly thinking about is, am I in danger here? Will something happen to me? And that's your primary um, drive. So thinking about what they're saying is probably way down the list. <laughs> right? and, so, and that's, again, talking about fear, right? So it means that there's the, the element of fear is driving this interaction. And yeah. if I look back a little bit about what I said earlier, is that a great leader is someone who dissolves that fear out of the room mm -hmm. and making sure that people, because if people are fearful, nothing good will come out of that room, nothing. Mm. Nothing. There's no creativity. If there's fear, there's no creativity. These two vibrations, they cannot, <laughs> they, they cannot be together, right? So mm. once you remove fear, once people feel safe, then they will start really listening to each other as well mm. because then the excitement can come through. Then the interest can come through. But it starts with relaxing into feeling safe. And I think that's interesting because um, from an entrepreneur's perspective or a business owner in particular, um, and I've gone through this over the years where um, that's things, things aren't going well for whatever reason and you're fearful of, of, of whatever's going on. So let's say you've got financial problems and you're, you're trying to make sales. What happens is if you come in that scenario fearful, they pick up on that. And, and really it's, it's like you're trying to hide it and it's like a giant light bulb with top of your head right they pick it up like they feel it and and what i realized was that the energy level of, of that energy level you create also creates the what happens connects to you as well 100 percent. So give you an example i said to myself okay i need a new author in january and and that's all i said right and i said thanks to my son as well a few days later um i got an order for a new author I didn't do anything. I just put it out there, right? And I think the thing is you've got to be careful is because what you're putting out there, what people are picking up on, and you think, you know, you're not putting out any vibes. The reality is all those things have been picked up by humans because humans are human lie detectors, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and so you've got to be conscious of what you're going, what's going on there, and then leadership is even worse because what's happening then is not only you're talking maybe a one-on-one, -on -one, but you could be talking to one to 20, one to a 1,000, and that is... You're almost, you know, bigger and and bigger size. You zoomed out then because, at the end of the day, they can see more, more people paying attention. So I think that's the the fit of a leader is that what are they thinking about me? What are they doing? Well, this is probably not thinking. They're probably thinking about what they're going to have for lunch tomorrow. They thinking about what they're going to say next. They're probably not going to pay any attention whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah. But when you said about people being lie detectors, uh, that's exactly the way I, I talk about it. Is that there's the verbal part of the message but then there's the energetic part of the message that you bring into every conversation and you're right if you're afraid or if you're really stressed you try to have a meeting with me and all you can think about oh she's going to sign up I'm, you know is she going to become a client because i'm running out of money or whatever that fear is in you no matter what it is that you're going to tell me no matter how brilliant your presentation is going to be all i'm reading off you is something is something is wrong like something is i he sounds good, but energetically, mm. I'm not buying this. This is not good. Mm. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the The leadership question is, how do I stay truthful? How do I become aware of these things and not fearful to speak my truth so that when the person is in front of me, they will really connect with what I'm trying to say? Mm. And in that sense, it doesn't matter whether it's going to be one or a hundred or a million people in front of me they will receive the message because energetically and verbally it's going to be the same thing. Mm. That's the authenticity. Uh, um, being authentic comes, comes through. Yeah, and I think it was quite interesting when I was um, new to sales and new to business um, and I've worked in a bank before, so you know, I knew, the, knew what I was doing um, in terms of talking to people and stuff like that. And one of the things, I went and did a presentation or selling accounting software and I went to this presentation this MOA company, and she was a very smart lady. And at the end of the discussion, she said to me, you know something? She said, um, and funny enough, she did end up buying from me down the track, but that day she said, I'm not going to buy from you today for one reason, and that's not, you're not looking me in the eyes. And so what mm. happened was because, 
And, and I don't say I was necessarily in financial trouble at the time, but there's a lot going on. What was happening is I had a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Yep. Issues and problems and all sorts of things. So behind the scenes, my brain was going one way and I'm trying to do this presentation. I wasn't present and I wasn't looking in the eye, so there's no trust, right? Yep. And I think that's a, the only single tip I can give anybody. It's hard nowadays because the interactions with people, that don't even see their eyes, right? <laughs> it's like all messaging and stuff. But the reality is when you're face-to-face with someone, if you're not looking them in the eyes and actually paying attention, um, same with public speaking, you actually lose them because they, when you're looking away, it seems like you're mistrustful, you know, that you're trying to do something, you're not, not engaged or whatever. And so it's a really interesting kind of thing. And from that point, I focused on it. Like, it was, you know, one of these things that I, like, going to the interview, it's like, and it increased, increased the sales exponentially. Like, I could get to a point where after probably about a year of kind of doing these things, I could go and get a 90 to, 9, 90 to 95% success rate. Um, in sales because I actually paid attention and looked them in the eyes <laughs> and and actually listened to what they said. Actually listened to what they said. Mm. Amen to that. And that's not but hard, that's, right? <laughs> it's not no, hard. It's no, not, it's not, not. Like you have to learn how to do that. You just have to well, to do that. <laughs> you you, you kind of do. I mean, you kind of yeah. do. And that's why, you know, I think that the, the whole concept of self-leadership comes through again beautifully because you had a lot on your mind while when you went to that sales meeting, the mm. person read the vibe of what was happening in your world. Mm. Mm. He could sense that you, you don't, your heart and your soul and your being is not in that presentation. You're not there to serve her. You, you were there, but you were in the middle of your conundrum that was happening inside of you. And that, mm. that is exactly the point that I'm trying to make. No one can help you resolve these things unless you become aware yourself and then you start leading yourself and then you start because you say, can you learn these things? I feel that awareness is the only tool mm. and it's not about learning as much as it is about making it a habit. Mm. So what my clients a lot of times say to me, you know, when they start working with me, they go, after I've had a session with you, I'm super aware, I'm super switched on, I can completely see all of these things happening. I'm very mindful of the, you know, an energetic field. An hour, two hours, 24 hours, however many days, I keep, I forgot. And then something happens and I wake up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what is going on? Because you get caught up in, you know, in your logic, you get up, caught up in your mind. So it's about, training yourself it's almost you know you keep reminding yourself to stay aware of these things until it becomes automatic until you actually stay aware throughout this whole process and that's when all the interactions start doing uh, all the interactions begin uh coming through with ease Mm -hmm. whether it's a sales pitch whether it's a husband or wife whether it's whatever it is if you are aware and are able to communicate authentically, then things happen with ease. They truly yeah. do. And you don't have, to, don't have to put a lot of pressure on it. So I'm going to ask you a couple of last questions because we're, we're getting sort of the end. <laughs> getting to, I'd rather keep this under an hour. Um, so what would you tell your younger self today that would have been impactful? So you're thinking about, uh, you know, back to the future and you come back and you say something to your younger self. What would you tell your younger self not to do or to do? Just the one thing. It will be all right in the end. <laughs> to trust yourself, just right? The keep going, thing. keep going, and don't stop and don't ever doubt because I have come across a few spots in my life on the journey when it was really hard and mm. I wanted to give up. Mm. And just if there was someone who would be in my ear to say, don't give up. That's just silly. It's just a little hiccup. What are you doing? Don't give up. It, it will be, you'll get there. Just keep going. Keep going and you'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think interesting. It's quite an accident. I think I asked this question to a previous podcast host and essentially that's the same thing came through was trust yourself. And this guy's worth 193 million. <laughs> so, you know, he obviously worked out for him, right? But he, <laughs> he has an emotional coach. He actually has someone who's actually is an emotional coach, which is interesting. Um, I've never there you go. You to CEO that actually you know has admitted that he's got an emotional coach, right? So um, yeah, so he was worth 193 million 
in the days when you know we started this company. So I think at the end of the day, that's a very you know very important thing. And so, what's your big goal for your book? What do you what do you want to see your book do? So this is in a lot of ways a plug or like a cork that's been sitting in me like if I was a bottle of champagne holding you back <laughs> holding me back it's 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 interesting because as much as I admire this this is this is my baby this is me from page 1 to to the last one but it definitely feels that energetically this book was something that I needed to get out just to allow for what is truly wanting to come out to come out. It feels like this was the beginning of creation of what I'm actually here to create. And that feels super exciting. It feels like, honestly, I feel like a bottle of champagne and that cork finally popped out of me. I'm like, oh my God, because I'm already, I'm now creating the new podcast. And I know that by the end of 2020, this will be a new book. Like I already know it. Like I already feel it. It's already in my space, right? Like it's already, okay, so this is going to be the next step. So definitely that was amazing. Just this coming out, the sheer fact of me having come out was was, was, (laughs) was Exactly, like a huge, huge benefit. But also it's about really scaling my presence so that I don't need to start again and start from scratch of explaining to people what I am and who I am and what I believe in and they can really get a bit of a taste and experience me beforehand you know before they reach out and before they decide that they want to do more with me it's that that's just that's been amazing Mm. absolutely amazing like I said even though we haven't really launched you know full full speed Mm. but already I'm receiving this benefit and it's just been amazing Mm. it's been absolutely fantastic and I think it's a cute book. So it's like it's it's not a traditional kind of book that you you find. So it's very different. And I think it's and it's a great way to kind of um, you know start. And it's the sort of thing you can skip through. Like you can jump around. It's not sort of you can just you have to read from cover to cover. So it's, nope, it's, it's nice. It's it's very energetic. <laughs> Thank you. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying this. But I I just need to confess this. I wrote this book for someone like me. Yep. I never book. I never read a book from the first page to the last. I scan through. I open it in the middle and read two paragraphs and shut it down again. I mean, I, that's this is literally. And this was one of the breakthrough moments for me when I finally allowed myself to write it that way. Mm. Well, you know, one regardless thing. Regardless, yes, one thing's actually interesting. Um, and I had this conversation with a new author, and we always had this conversation. Um, and so I said, "Who's the book for?" And they give me a list of demographics. Um, and then I go, well, what do they look like? And they give me, oh, well, they're probably this age or whatever. And I go, so I want you to write the book to one person, right? just one person. If you can get one person to read your book that you really like your, your best buyer, if you like, um, that one person. And it's interesting what you've done because you've written the book to yourself, all right? And the reality is what you've done is that I want people like me to read this book, all right? It's actually the simplest, simplest avatar you can do is write the book for yourself because if your personality is in the book and what you want to be in a book and how you want it to look and feel to your best buyer, which is probably someone like you anyway, right, because people like dealing with people they, they like. I noticed in the book you talk about a few things about people dealing with people you shouldn't, you shouldn't deal with, right? And so at the end of the day, I think it's, that's interesting is that you just pick one person and say, look, um, let's do that. Absolutely. Your book is your book is an extension of your energy. It's an extension of what you believe in, and it's beautiful because it can encompass all of those different things and characteristics about you that you might not even know. But it's all there, and this is the beautiful thing about the book is that it it you can you can scale yourself quite literally. You can scale your energy out there, and in a very elegant way, you know. But it's definitely it. It's it's. It, the book is an extension of who you are because otherwise if it's not, and this was the, this was actually why the draft that I gave you five years ago didn't run is because it wasn't purely authentic. It was, it was what I thought other people would understand about leadership and what I thought would potentially create 
you know, an income for me or what, you know what I mean? All of those kind of things. But I wasn't writing what I really wanted to say. I, write, I was writing what I thought other people would need or understand. Mm. Once I started writing for me, what I really wanted to say, truly what I really wanted to say, if there was no one in the room, I'm talking to a mirror, that's when things just kind of came out beautifully. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the hardest part is that when people try to write a book, it's like you're writing a book to, you know, to, to a million people, but you're not, you're writing to one person. If you can just get one person to read your book and like it, then you've achieved something, I'll tell you, because the attention deficit disorder nowadays is shocking, right? So you can't really get them to do it. All right, so... Um, in, in sort of summary, I'll, I'll, people can get your book from elenanorman.com, which we'll put the links up for. Um, it's available on Amazon and and wherever good books are sold, basically, is what we say. Um, and also, we also did an audio book, which should be up there pretty soon. Um, and, and so it's, it's a nice package to kind of start your journey to be able to, um, you know, start changing people's mindsets, I think. I think that's the biggest thing you want to look at is how can you change mindsets and be involved. So thank you so much for coming along and um, finally getting your book done and you get to talk about it. <laughs> and um, I think maybe we'll interview in a year's time and obviously you've got your podcast coming along soon too, so which we'll have up on the site. So one of the things that we've done with Elena is also we've taken the extension of what we call Beyond the Best Seller. So part of what our software involved app is doing is actually enabling her to actually take to that next level. So buying the book isn't necessarily, or sort of say, writing the book isn't necessarily the end of it. It's the start. And a lot of a lot of authors actually think it's the end. <laughs> and no, no, not me. Much to do with it, right? It's the beginning <laughs> of a journey and, and we want to provide the platform for podcasting and blogs and, and everything else that she wants to add down the track. Um, to a book so she can actually get somewhere with it. And I think that's the biggest area that we want to look in, in 2020 is the concept of beyond the bestseller, what do you do now and how do you leverage that book um, and, and leverage it for five years. I mean, there's enough content in that book for five years worth of content, so why not? Again, thank you so much for coming along and um, we'll put the links up for how you can grab your book and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, John. I'm super excited about the adventure. I know there's only the beginning, so... Yeah. Thank you so much. Look forward to what's next. Cool. Thank you.